Welcome back, episode five. Thanks for coming back. If you have come back or if you're a new listener, welcome. welcome. <laughs> um, no, it's really happened this week in the Hopkins household. No, it's been a quiet one. Again. It's been a really depressing one. Yeah, it has been quite low this week. We've had roadmap though, haven't we? Yeah. So we know we're on countdown for school. Yeah, that were a big thing. Kids obviously getting a date to go back to school. None of them are happy about it, but... They need to go. 100% definitely need to go. So has anyone been watching out now? We've just watched... Behind Her Eyes. Behind Her Eyes, yeah. It is what it is. Did you enjoy it? Well, I don't... Yeah, it were all right. I don't really do the whole supernatural sort of spoils it for me. But it... Take it for where it is. And it give us something to watch, didn't it? Yeah, it's worth a watch. It does leave you thinking, what the fuck? <laughs> a few times. Um, apart from that, we haven't really watched anything true crimey or serial killer. Really. We've not, have we? We've uh, laid... Oh, we recorded something, though, didn't we, overnight? Yeah, we've got stuff recorded. That small town murder, is it? Yeah. I think we're looking forward to a bit of as cringy um, reality TV coming back, aren't we? <laughs> we've got Love Island Australia starting Monday. Cannot wait. I don't watch that. Shut up. You love it more than me. I don't watch that shit. What else we got? Oh, The Circle. Yeah, The Circle's good. If you don't watch that, get it watched. Yeah, recommend that. We even watched The Circle USA. Yeah, we enjoyed that as well, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, we've got Bake Off as well. Yeah. That's going to be funny. Who's on it? Tom Allen and... Rob Beckett. <laughs> and we're loving Rob and Romesh at minute, aren't we? Yeah. Anyone if, that... If you haven't watched it, watch it, because it had me in tears. Not often we actually laugh like that at something. Yeah. But them two. What were your favourite? The drag episode for me. I don't know. They're the, all funny. The drag episode. Oh, I love it how Beckett on every single one. I think I found me calling. <laughs> oh, it don't matter what it is. So, yeah, that's kept us occupied. Yeah. But all in all, it's been a pretty shit week. So, if you're having a shit week, you're not on your own. No. That's all I'll say. Nothing else to report, have we? No. Bit boring. We've managed to get out for a walk, though. Did we go for a Costa again? Yeah, we did. Yeah, that's about it. Hmm. Highlight of his week. So, who have you got for me this week, Oppo? I'm doing a case on a gentleman called Vince Wagang Lee, if that's pronounced right. But we'll just call him Vince Lee for short. All right. So he was born April 30th, 1968, born in Dandong, China. He was middle child. He had an older brother, younger sister. He did a computer science degree in 92, worked in Beijing, and he immigrated and he moved to Canada, Winnipeg, with his wife, Anna. I'd love to go to Canada. He got a legal Canadian citizenship in 2006. While he were over there, he struggled to find work. Okay. Um, friends at couples said it was clear he had a few mental health issues, but he was never violent. There's been reports he'd been hospitalised in 2003-2004 after an incident with the Ontario Police. Okay. There's not much about his background whatsoever, so I did look, but I just can't find Somet- anything. Sometimes it's hard to find, isn't it, though? Yeah. Not everything is reported. So, while he was there, he worked any job he could including delivering newspapers, caretaker at a church, and he left that in 2005. He moved to Edmonton in 2006. Him and his wife later divorced, but still remained friends. She also had concerns about his mental health. So it's something people picked up on. Yeah. Now, a few days before the incident that we're going to talk about occurred, Vince Lee disappeared, which wasn't that unusual. Yeah. Because he'd often travel and say he was on a heaven-sent mission from God. So it wasn't... Unusual that unusual. he'd disappear for a few days. Um, his wife said that when they moved to Edmonton, his mental health seemed to get worse. Um, she said that he were 
admitted to a psych ward for four days. He were diagnosed schizophrenia. All right. And with all the stigma surrounding mental health, yeah. uh, Vince Lee had been in denial and he never seeked treatment. He'd been uh, picked up by Ontario police before while he's walking along the motorway saying that God had told him to follow the sun. Right, okay. Episodes of Mania and stuff. Yeah, so he had a background of poor mental health. So, July 29, 2008, Vince Lee gets on a bus around 12.30am in Edmonton, Alberta. The bus was going to Thunder Bay through Winnipeg. Just before 6pm, Lee got off the bus in Ericsson because God told him to. He sat on a bench outside a store, sat bolt upright, eyes wide open, and he was still there at 3am. Did no one like try to help him? The next morning, uh, Vince Lee had a laptop and he's got a sign up laptop for sale, $600. Strangely enough, a 15 year old comes along and he heckles with Vince Lee and he gets his said laptop for $60. <laughs> Big difference. Yeah. Kid were laughing. This kid said that Vince Lee seemed like a, a nice guy. Um, he's going to think he's nice. He'd give him a laptop for $60 and he wanted 600 So where Vince Lee was, the bus only arrived there once a day. And yeah. that were at five to six. So Vince Lee and another passenger from Ericsson boarded the 1170 bus to Winnipeg. Vince Lee sat up front up bus. He was described as a tall man in his 40s, shaved head, sunglasses. And he sat at the front of the bus for over an hour and they came to a bus rest stop. He gets back on the bus, does Vince Lee, and he moves to the back of the bus and he goes up to, the, I think it's the second to the back of the bus, the seats. Yeah. And he sees a 22-year-old called Timothy McLean. He smiles at him, he's got his headphones on, looking out the window. And Vince Lee sits next to him on the aisle seat. Okay. Let me just sit up. Oh. Do you know where we are? Say that again. Do you know where we are? Yeah, yeah. Where we're up to? Yeah. Cool. I'm following. I'm with you. <laughs> so there were 34 passengers on this bus. It was dimly lit. Most of the um, passengers were watching small TV screens on the bus. 20 minutes passed. Tim had his eyes closed, listening to his music. And Vince Lee is allegedly muttering to himself. Okay. As they're going along. So 8.30pm, <clears throat> Vince Lee pulls out a big knife and he plunges it into Tim's neck. Wow. All passengers are like, what the fuck's going on? Because they can hear Tim screaming. Tim's obviously trapped in this window seat. Yeah. So we can't get out. Vince Lee's reportedly just stabbing him. Just repeatedly. Repeatedly stabbing him. All passengers are going nuts, trying to get off bus. Eventually, Tim is on the floor of the bus in the middle of the lair. Yeah. And Vince Lee is on top of him, frantically stabbing him. Fucking hell. All the passengers get off the bus. They're all obviously in shock. Yeah. Uh, some have been sick. The bus behind the 1170 actually pulls over because he thinks something's going on here. Yeah. So he pulls behind that bus. Um, so they obviously call 911. Yeah. Or know. whatever it is in Canada. They're trying to get Vince Lee to stop. Uh, they moved the passengers out away away from bus. Bus drivers tried to get on the bus and try and save Tim McLean, but Vince I... Lee lunges at him. So they essentially just left him. I think you were already pretty much beyond dead. When they got on the bus, they saw Lee holding a large knife, which he'd already used. Used. And he was decapitating Tim. Fucking hell. When they got chased off by him. Um, Vince Lee paced up and down the bus, muttering to himself, knife in one hand, Tim McLean's head in his other. He's Ten had minutes. a proper bad... Ten minutes later... schizophrenia turn, on not Yeah. Ten minutes later, police arrive, and essentially, from what I'm reading, they just sort of left him on the bus for a good length of time. Right. I've no idea why. I'm not getting into, like, bashing police or anything like that. Um, Vince Lee was dismembering Tim McLean's body, scattering parts around the bus. Why did they just leave him to get on with that, though? The voice in Lee's head allegedly were telling him to dismember this person yeah. or he would come back to life and kill everyone. Right, okay. So that's a bit of insight. Um, police car parked in front of doors, so he couldn't exit. So time passes and he's still hacking off pieces of this poor man's body, um, eating parts and putting parts in plastic bags. <clears throat> they were trying to get him to drop the knife, but he just 
defiled Tim's body for hours, walking up and down, licking his fingers. And eventually, at 1am, he broke a window, threw out the knife and scissors, and jumped out, believing he'd just slayed a demon. Because he would, he honestly would have believed that though, wouldn't he? He had Tim's nose, his ear, and his tongue in his pockets. Tim had been stabbed over a hundred times, his chest had been opened up, he'd been decapitated, and his eyes were never recovered, and a portion of his heart was missing. So, you would assume that he had them. One's been heat, yeah. Um, Vince Lee rarely spoke in custody, but agreed that he had killed Tim. He allegedly refused legal aid. Day after in court, he was charged with second degree murder. No lawyer. The judge ordered a psych assessment to determine if Finsley was fit to stand trial. Well, this is going to be interesting. Funnily enough, you know Westborough Baptist Church? Louis Farouk did a... Yes. <laughs> a documentary on him. They announced protest at Tim McLean's funeral because they alleged that he lived in a godless lie and that were God's wrath. Really? Yeah. So they announced that they were going to protest at Tim McLean's funeral. But they didn't turn up. The public were obviously outraged at police allowing Vince Lee to, to do stay. what he did to yeah. Tim's body for four hours. Why Why would they not step it? I don't understand why they left it for four hours. Did, they ever, did they ever answer that? Did anyone question it? I'm assuming they did. They must have, but no, it's been done. Alright. It's the final, isn't it? You don't want to... You know, I'm not, I'm not a copper, you're not a copper, you don't know. How hard their jobs are. I suppose as well, and it depends on laws in uh, in Canada, don't it? Yeah. Because if that were in America, they'd have shot you. Yeah, I think they'd have shot you in England. So I don't understand what... I honestly do. Do you think? Yeah. I don't understand why nothing else were done to stop him. So, a week after murder, Vince Lee was assessed. Um, he remained quiet. At first, it was angered that there was no death penalty for him, so he wanted the death penalty. He wanted, he wanted. That's yeah. why he refused the lawyer and everything, though, he isn't it? He said it were an instruction from God. God commanded him. He were diagnosed with schizophrenia on October 2008, and he was deemed fit to stand trial. Vinsley, it was also suicidal. The psych assessment of Vinsley were kept from the public, so it didn't interfere with your jurors and stuff like that. Well, yeah, because once something gets out like that, yeah. it then becomes really hard to find an impartial jury, doesn't it? Obviously, we know he'd been diagnosed previously, but he refused to acknowledge it. Yeah, refused treatment. He believed God was speaking to him through the sun. Um, Tim McLean's family planned to sue the Attorney General and the bus service for allowing a passenger to get on with a weapon. But how were they to know? What What are they going to... Someone's got to be responsible for this. Yeah, I know, I know that, but what, what, what do you do to stop that? How do you stop? How do you screen, do you screen every single person that gets on bus? Well, you can you can you openly could, you, walk onto any bus round here and no one would question they should, what... They should have what they have in schools, where kids walk through. But not all schools have got them. I know, but they should have bus stations. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, get I get somebody's got to be held responsible. Yeah. I do, but I do think as well that it's just a really, really but sad story. McLean's wanted more measures for passenger safety. Yeah, and I get that. Yeah. I totally understand that. So, October 2009, so we fast forward a little bit. Yeah. Both sides have agreed that he was suffering from schizophrenia and did not know what he was doing. The charge of second degree murder, it comes with a sentence of 10 years. Lee, he pleaded not guilty, which I found strange. Yeah. Um, the Crown and the defence asked for him to be found not criminally responsible. So in Canada, a person who is found to suffer from a mental disorder can be exempt from criminal responsibility after undergoing strict legal tests. To be honest, though, I, I, I agree. And I know people will probably be screaming at me because... You know, would it be different if it were someone of my, you know, but this, a family or... This is why I've done it, because it's all mental health. And I just think it's... Oh, that that poor man... He had no control over it. Yeah, but that poor young, young man's ma family... Yeah, yeah, and they've lost someone they yeah. love dearly. But it should it works from both sides. Yeah. Obviously, there needs to be more awareness and more public. All that, all them signs he would explain leading up to it. Yeah. So many people miss so many chances to sort of get him some help before this happened yeah i'm not saying it like again no one's responsible but maybe as a society if yeah. it do you, you see what i'm saying but there's a lot of reason a lot of ways it could have been prevented we already know the 
the stigma behind mental health and stuff. hundred like percent, and we also know how much it lacks in funding. Like there isn't enough. Yeah. For everybody, which is awful. So, according to Section 16 of the Criminal Code of Canada, mm-hmm. quote, no person is criminally responsible for an act committed or a mission made while suffering from a mental disorder that rendered the person incapable of appreciating the nature and quality of the act or a mission or of knowing that it was wrong, unquote. Yeah. So, not criminally responsible apparently is very rare, which... Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And I can imagine that they will do a lot of evaluation before yeah. you can f- even fall into a category to be thought about. Um, after two days of trial, Vince Lee was found not criminally responsible. So most of these canes, uh, most of these cases, they get detained in a hospital, Yeah. remanded to a secure treatment facility. And Vince Lee was to face yearly reviews of his case... Now, the public opinion, allegedly, was they wanted him to stay behind bars. And now what I'm going to read to you is the McLean's family impact statement. Oh, God. It's quite long. Yeah, I'm listening. So here we go. I would like to thank and honour the court for allowing me this opportunity to attempt to put in words the effect this crime has had on me. Timothy was a very alive person, probably the most alive person I have ever known and I've had the privilege of being his mother. He had a very active, adventurous and vibrant life. He literally radiated energy. The last professional portrait that was taken of him was a month after his 22nd birthday. I always had trouble pinpointing Timothy for appointments, especially photos, but there he is smiling that smile with that glint in his eye that would always make me wonder what sort of mischief he'd be up to next. And now that light that was Timothy's life has been snubbed out in the very cruelest, heinous manner Possibly by you, Vinsley. Nobody else. Just you. I believe you're dangerous, and why would I believe otherwise? You've demonstrated that very clearly, no doubt. That night in July, when I was informed that the young man who'd suffered that horrible death on the back of a greyhound bus was my son. I literally wished I'd just die too. I couldn't imagine surviving when my child didn't. My heart completely shattered, and I ached to the core of my soul. I struggle every day to appreciate my own life enough to want to continue to go on and to honour Timothy's memory by cherishing the memories instead of allowing the all-consuming sorrow to just swallow me up because it could and then this evil would claim me as well and I cannot let that happen. Besides taking my beautiful boy's life that night, you took my sense of security. I am often afraid now in crowds, parking lots and when I'm alone, I'm suspicious of people because I just don't know what anyone is capable of anymore. I have great difficulty sleeping. You see, I have this vision in my mind of my son's lifeless head with vacant eyes being tossed around that bus. There are many more images that enter my mind as I try to rest. They are all very clear and vivid thanks to the merciless and very graphic descriptions that the media and some witnesses provided. Sleep does not come easy, and when it does, it's not for very long durations. Food and other life's basic necessities no longer provides the same pleasure as it used to. I feel sick to my stomach every day, every time I eat, although I know I need to eat to stay strong for the days ahead and for the rest of my family. Even having to use a knife in my own kitchen for meal preparation conjures up horrible pictures in my mind, and those thoughts can sometimes be crippling. I cannot leave my home to drive into the city without seeing at least one greyhound bus. I wonder, is that the bus my son was slaughtered on? Did they ever get all the blood out? I don't want these thoughts, they just come. And since I have to travel the highway to get the counselling and therapy sessions I require to help me cope, what choice do I have? Have you ever experienced loss so profound that you are unable to breathe? I have. For three days... I found it nearly impossible to just breathe. As the descriptions of what all happened to Timothy came out, I was so horrified that I couldn't breathe. I finally asked the RCMP to tell me in full what all was done to my son, so I wouldn't continue to hear it in bits and pieces. Bits and pieces was all that was left of my boy at the end of your rampage. I can no longer tell my remaining children to be careful and make sure you get home in one piece. 
we can no longer laugh our heads off or our guts out. These used to be such innocent phrases now have such ugly meaning for me. My mum my used to tell me I'd forget my head if it wasn't attached and I can no longer deadhead my flowers. Medically speaking, there is no medication that can treat the wounds inflicted upon a person's soul. My body still functions as it's meant to with the addition of aches caused by stress, headaches, caused by stress, digestive troubles, caused by stress, insomnia, caused by stress. I take a handful of supplements daily and see a chiropractor regularly to help with these issues because I do not want to be on prescription medications if I can avoid them. They make me feel too forgetful and confused and I would be tempted perhaps to take them all at once and what would that leave my other children with? In the early days of this nightmare I was given Lorapazam to allow me to breathe properly and sleep. My husband was always asking, where are your pills Carol? I just handed him the bottle silently as I knew what his fear was. Financially we've never had a lot of money, always enough to take care of our children and bills. I'm on a long term disability now which is significantly less than my salary was. I, I drove a school bus and now I do not have the patience, confidence and ability to concentrate which is required to safely transport other people's children, the most precious cargo. My husband is the person who taught Timothy how to use a hammer and a paintbrush, how to ride a two-wheeler and helped him with his homework. The stress of Timothy's vicious murder is taking a huge toll on him and he's currently reducing his work week to allow him a chance to grieve and to take care of myself and our younger son Kendall. Our two girls live far away and it's difficult not having them close but we'd worry about them if they lived with us unprovoked. That's the word that's forever stuck in my mind. It could have been anyone, anywhere, anytime. It wasn't. It was July 30th on a bus on the number one highway less than an hour from my home when you tragically ended my son's life. He did nothing to die for, but he did not die for nothing. That's a promise. My God. <sighs> That's left me feeling really emotional. Yeah. It's such a sad state of affairs because it's everybody loses out. This wasn't a serial killer. This wasn't a rampage killing, a spree killing. It was an awful event of someone suffering with really awful mental health yeah but then i i, I get that mum yeah it's just awful isn't it yeah um in 2010 i've got another quote from his mum it's not as long as that one <laughs> <laughs> when you do what he did you should be locked up for the rest of your natural life my son's human rights were violated in the most horrific manner and that's completely disregarded and forgotten. And all they are concerned about is Mr. Lee's rights. I would like to be doing a job again and enjoying my life. But we haven't got an iota of closure. Each year Mr. Lee is going to begin to receive more and more freedom. More and more of his life back. And I don't think he should. I get it. I do. Because if that were all sat there... You get both sides, don't you? See, I'd like to think that if I ever were in that situation that I'd... I'd be able to see it from the person's, you know, it were an act under mental health, it weren't malicious, it weren't sought out. I'd like to think. But you just don't but know. But I don't know. You just don't know. Until, you know, until you're in that situation. I think it's easy to touch, sit here. Touch wood. Oh, God, yeah, don't yeah. ever have to be in that position. But, I mean, it's easy to sit here and think that I would be able to accept. Yeah. But I think sitting there in them, them shoes, it'd be a completely different situation. Yeah. And this is why I've done this story. Mm. That's the first one you've done that's left me feeling like that. So in 2012, Mr Vince Lee had escorted outings from the hospital. The doctors believed he had less than 1% of reoffending, reoffending violently in the next seven years. So what What after seven years? I've no idea. Oh, is the, there must be some sort of law on that and that's why they can only predict up to seven years. He'd, all, he'd always, always have a very careful... Eiffel watch over him though, wouldn't he, from now on? Another bit of information. Before it was similar to the second coming of Jesus and he had to save people from the space aliens. He said, I can remember cutting off his head. I believed he was an alien and that it would kill me and others. In 2017, Vince Lee changed his name and he was granted absolute discharge due to low risk of offending. Obviously, the McLean family believed he should stay behind bars yeah. for the rest of his life. 
And as you can imagine, people who were at the scene, oh, ma major trauma. Of course. Major anxieties from seeing it. Never wanting to get on a bus again. Yeah. I can't. We were on about this the other night, though, weren't we? You know, can't imagine just, oh, what were we watching? Right, no, it was Gavin and Stacey last night, weren't it? With dead body that he found. Oh, yeah. And we were saying, we can't actually imagine just stumbling upon no. a, a, a leg. I don't, know or... what, I don't know what I'd do. Do you think you'd freak out? But I hope you've enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It's like <clears throat> me feeling rather emotional, like I say. Yeah, it's, and... a, it's a difficult case because... You can see it from both points of view. Vince yeah. Lee was obviously had a very bad mental disorder yeah. that was untreated. Um, people didn't spot the signs, which I'm not having to go at anyone. No, it's so easily done though, isn't yeah. it? Um, and unfortunately, Tim McLean suffered horrific. Lost his life in such an horrific way. Yeah, and his poor family have got to try and live with that. You can see it coming from both ends. Yeah, it's just. A really, really sorry. I'll, I'll be honest. I dare say, if I was in the McLean's um, shoes, mm. I would want him locked up for the rest of his life. So no one ever had to feel what you felt. That, that person has slaughtered my son. So, yeah. So I completely get it. It's a very thin line, isn't it? Mm. Oh, well. <laughs> Shall I now take you to Mexico City? Mexico. Mexico. Right. So I'm going to speak to you about a case that I'd never heard of, but. How I haven't, I have no idea, because apparently it completely, were huge, it took over. I'm going to tell you about a little girl called Paulette Jabbar. Now, before I go on, please bear with me, because this has taken me a bit to get all the information I need for it to make sense, because there's so many different perspectives. Right. Yeah? Yeah. Right, so, Paulette Jabbar was born on the 20th of July, 2005, to her parents, Mauricio Jabbar and Lizette Farrar. They married four years earlier in 2001. They both came from pretty wealthy backgrounds anyway. Right. So they had a bit of money. Yeah. Um, Mum was a very successful lawyer and dad were a successful businessman. They had the first baby a bit earlier than that and she was also named Lizette. So for this, everywhere that I've read about and got my research from, referred to her as Little Lizette. Right. All right, so little Lizette's sister. So a few few years later, along came Paulette. She was born at 25 week. Now, anyone that knows anything about having a baby, being born at 25 week is quite... Bad. Yeah. She survived, but her parents were told that she would never be... That she'd never walk, talk, anything like that. Right. Now, she did learn to sort of shuffle a little bit and she could take a few steps, but it had to be heavily aided. Like, she could never move, walk unaided. Right. And as far as communication, she could speak little, um, just normal few words, mum, dad, food, sort of things, but she could never string a sentence together. And she did require a lot of support. Yeah. Um, she also had development delay, so she was extremely small for a four-year-old. She was quite dainty. Right. Little, a, a petite thing, right? Um, so it's said that Paulette died in Mexico City, City on or around the 22nd of March, 2010. And it became a scent, like this massive media frenzy, like Mexico just went crazy. Even though a death has officially been ruled accidental right right so it has actually been ruled accidental there's so many questions still unanswered and a lot of people are still wondering what happened who's responsible so do you want me to tell your tale yeah so we go back to sunday the 21st of march and mauricio little lizette and paulette had returned from a weekend away with dad they'd been like camping i think uh, now mom had also been away that weekend but she'd been on a trip with a friend yeah it's said that both parties sort of got back to their home at the same time, around nine o'clock that night. Lizette says that she clearly remembers putting Paulette to bed that night, tucking her in, giving her a kiss. As I said before, like they were pretty wealthy, so they lived in, imagine like an, an apartment complex with other wealthy residents. Right. It were quietly high secure, big gates, yeah. CCTV everywhere, Yeah. right? And they also had two living nannies with them um, they'd worked with them for quite a few years and they were called Erica and Martha so the next morning 22nd of March the nannies get up little Lizette she always got up first got ready and they walked to the bus then when they came back they would get Paulette up 
Right. Because she didn't start school, I think, for like a two hours gap. So they let her sleep, then they'd wake her up after they got back. Now, this morning, when they went back to her room, she just wasn't there. As I said before, it was a highly secure sort of apartment block. So they had a look about and everything. They couldn't see her, looked at all windows. There'd been no sort of signs of false entry, anything like that. So there were nothing suspicious to, to start with. And don't forget, these nannies knew Paulette's needs. They looked after her every day. Yeah. They knew there were no way in this God's given earth she were getting out of that bed, out of anywhere, undetected, unhelped. Well, she, she wouldn't be able to do it alone, would no, she? No, she wouldn't, right? So where the fuck is she? Right. So both nannies have antically had a look for her, um, but then they've got to ring the parents. They'd already left for work. Right. So they basically explain, telling them to come home. Now, when they got home, the nannies carried on with the search, but the parents sort of seemed unbothered by it. And apparently mum sat at kitchen table drinking a cup of coffee. Dad were wondering and pacing a little bit, opening a cupboard here, opening a cupboard there, but... They never actually joined in searching. They didn't leave the apartment. Well, I'm sure she's not in fucking cupboards. <laughs> so, that to me, that's just not reaction that you'd expect, would you? Um, it weren't. Even, it turns out it wasn't even the parents that rang the police. <laughs> Mauricio, the dad, rang his sister, explained that his daughter had gone. So she was like, why are you not concerned? Why are you not rang the police? So it was the little girl's auntie that actually ran yeah. place. So anyway, it, this case then took off massively. On the t- And when I say massively, I mean in a matter of hours, it was huge. But then on 25th of March, Attorney General of the state, it was called Alberto Basbas. Right. So if you just hear me say Basbas, you know it's him. <laughs> um, he, then, he, he does a press conference and he reveals um, a poster of Paulette, hoping to bring any attention to it. Can anyone help us? They put out like a reward. Obviously, family were wealthy, so they chipped in this reward. It. Whatever. So police came in, they started to have a bit of a search around the apartment. But what I found bizarre is, at no point did they actually search for Paulette. They just searched around the apartment for any signs of forced entries, locks that had been sort of tampered with. But at no point did they look for this little girl. Yeah. Which, obviously, when they then realised... strange. Yeah. Um, when they realised that there were no sort of Lead. leads, the, the, what? where did they go? What did they do? It, it were hard. The, no, that's your job, well, Mr Policeman. <laughs> so over the next few days, they brought in hundreds of more police officers, forensic team and detectives. But at no point did they lock this apartment down as a crime scene. So all these people were in and out of this apartment. The police and detectives were using the toilet... They even used um, little Paulette's. She had her own ensuite bathroom. They used that. Bloody hell. At no point did it got locked down. Anyway, fuck it. It's right. fucked from get-go, isn't it? Yeah. So then um, Mauricio and Lizette go in front of the media and basically Lizette makes a plea to anyone who's got a daughter, just let her go in a public place. We won't try and hunt you down. That'll be the end of it. But by the end of that week, you literally couldn't go anywhere without hearing or seeing about Paulette. Yeah. Absolutely everywhere. Lizette even, she did an interview, sat on her daughter's bed, talking about how sweet she was, showing them pictures that she drew. But at no point did she seem upset. Did she come across as concerned about a little girl? Now, there were a pair of pyjamas on the bed at side of her during this interview, yeah. which is out there for all the public to see. Yeah. They'll become relevant later just so you know. Then the case takes a massive turn. So you remember the Attorney General, Bas Bas. He goes on TV, right? And he holds a press conference and he actually announces that there's four suspects in this case. Both the parents and the nannies. Right. Publicly names them. Right. On this media. Zero evidence of forced entry. Paulette couldn't have left on her own, so it makes sense that they are the only people that could have any involvement. And Bas Bas don't give a fuck. He don't give a fuck. He names them. Not a, sh- not a fuck given, right? So what he then does, he then says within this statement, sorry, that at one moment in time, each of these individuals have falsified their statements, which has made it very difficult to know facts and clarify a firm line of investigation. So this is what he put out to the public, that they'd lied to him, they didn't know, they'd messed it up so they couldn't find this girl, basically. So they then put the parents, um, on the 30th of March, sorry, the parents and both nannies were taken to an hotel where they basically were put on a restriction order, they weren't allowed to leave, and that's where they were placed, and they were basically guarded by authorities. On lockdown. 
lockdown. So the same day, um, experts create a reconstruction of what might have happened. The family at this point are under a massive microscope. Like, yeah. it's that big. Every single they did were being analysed. But please don't think I'm just jumping. It will make sense. Go on. So the very next day, Paulette's body were found. Do you want to have a guess where? In the house? Well, they started to notice a strange smell. Oh. From Paulette's bedroom. So basically, this girl has been miss missing for nine days. Yeah. And they find a body wedged down the back bottom of her bed in between two wooden poles and a mattress. Just wedged there. Fucking hell. For nine days. And them coppers have been in there using toilet? Hundreds of people have been in there. Hundreds of people have been in and out, right? Now, her mum sat on that bed and did a TV interview. Yeah. Not only that, you might be shocked to discover she let people sleep in that bed in them nine days her daughter was missing. Why would she let people sleep in a bed? I don't fucking know. I don't know. So, let's talk about how, why, maybe what. Now, Paulette's bed, you've got to understand, it's huge. It will build apparently to resemble a ship. If but, you go on Google. But it's huge. It's huge. Um, it had like two poles at the end, which I'm assuming might have been for flags. I don't know. Ship, flag, I don't know. But there were two poles, one at either side, right? Um, it Honestly, it weren't suitable. It shouldn't have ever been fucking med, but that's besides the point. The mattress, as where there's not a lot, you can see the room on the picture, and how she's even managed to get down, I, I don't know how she's managed to get herself stuck down there. I don't, I, I don't know. Now, on YouTube, there's a video. I recommend you go watch it, because right. it actually shows you where they find her body. So yeah. it's live footage. It's quite graphic, but right. so you can understand this bed, because I'm not going to do it any justice on this podcast. I'm not going to be able to describe it for you to even get into your head how she how on earth she got in between that mattress. You need to see it for yourself. Right. So everybody else is going to have to search it as well. So they basically started searching her bedroom because they'd noticed this strange smell. And they came across some blankets at the end of the bed. Now, it actually looked like it were covered in blood, well, this blanket. But I've tried to find any information to confirm it, but there's nothing. The only thing I found said that the only other thing it could have been what some fluid from the de decomposing body. Right. So it's never actually been said that it was blood, but it looks very much like blood. So when they found the blankets, they then called in the forensics yeah. and the coroner. The coroner, which I found really interesting, stood there and just kept repeating over and over, they beat her, she's been beat to death, they've beat her. So that what is initial reaction when seeing this little girl. I still don't understand how she could have managed to get herself to the bottom, but it were ruled that she'd actually suffocated to death, obviously being stuck between yeah. the mattress. Now... First question that I asked myself, well, what I tried to find answer to, were it normal for her to move about in bed? Like, she had very limited movement. movement. She couldn't walk unaided. She was very tiny. Did at any point the nannies ever say that it were a regular thing? They'd find her at the bottom of her bed on a morning? Do you know what I mean? It just yeah. seems... Like, I think that if I'd looked after someone's child for as long as they had, and she were found in the circumstances she was, if it was something that she often did, I prob and I were questioned as their nanny, yeah. I probably would have made it clear that, you know, I often found her yeah, quite at bottom at bed, or I spoke to parents and said she were getting close to end. I don't know, but you, I think you would have said something, wouldn't you? Yeah. But the nannies never said that. Like, did the, whoever did this, did the mover body there? I'm just... As nine since, days... Since you've told me, I've just had this picture in my head. Sorry. But has it really been... Like, has this little girl's body been there for nine days? People have slept in that bed. They've not felt this lump at the bottom. And apparently, which makes it even more interesting, the nannies, they actually asked the nannies how they would make the beds. And the nannies demonstrated to them. And the way they do it, they lift each corner of the mattress up and put the sheet underneath. Right. And you know when you go to an hotel and everything's far too tight, yeah. you have to fucking fight it to pull it out. It was said that they made the beds like that. So how, as people slept in that bed, the nannies have remade that bed after they've slept in it, but yet not discovered a little girl if she's been there all that time. And she's definitely been there the whole damn day. We she, don't know. She hasn't been moved or... The, it was ruled an accident, accidental death, and she died due to suffocation. They said, like, that were it. Bloody hell. 
But there were one medical expert who were working on case and he completely refused to sign coroner's report and autopsy because he did not believe for one second that she'd not been placed there after it had been searched. Um, So he actually refused to sign paperwork. He said he didn't want his name alongside it. So anyway, after the little girl's body were found, the two nannies worked um, really well for police. They helped them with everything. Like I said, they demonstrated how they did beds, but they made it clear that they also didn't believe that it'd be possible not to notice her, which is interesting. It works for this family. You know, the detectives claim that they searched that bedroom extensively. Bullshit, because... You just don't know, do you? Well, if they searched the bedroom to the extent of which they should have done... Because we don't know if she got moved. No, I know. I know nobody knows what happens. Yeah. But I'm still, even though I know everything, well, from what I could find, but, I still aren't sure of what happened. But why would you, if you was going to do that horrific thing to your daughter, your uh, child that you look after, whatever, would you stuff them down in between a bed? No. Mattress? I just it's a bizarre thing, isn't it? Yeah, really, really. Really bizarre. Right, so, um, you know, there were quite a lot of outrage... People had blamed police, said that they'd fucked up, didn't do the job properly. Now, after a body's found, Bass Bass is back and he announces Paulette's death to the public. And he says that Lizette, the mother, is their number one suspect in this case. No fucks given, names her as the number one suspect. He actually says, she is the only suspect and I have no doubt this is a murder investigation. Okay? That's what evidence has it got to back well, up. So then on 3rd of April, um, Lizette starts proceedings against the restraining order that they'd placed on her. And she basically states, I've got nothing to do with my daughter's death. So then the following day, all four of them had it dropped. Um, they were allowed back to the apartment and everything. The only thing they weren't allowed to do was leave the country. Yeah. Now, apparently there were a few reasons why General Bass Bass was sure that it was Lizette. To be honest... Attorney General Baspas. Yeah. You said General Baspas. Oh, did I? Sorry. Eternal General Baspas. Attorney. Oh, shut up. I'm cutting that. Go on. Right, so Baspas, he was short, so sure that Lizette were involved. And if I'm honest, from what I've read, it sounds like he got the whole of Mexico to also believe that it were her. I'm not saying it can't be her or it is not her, but I want to know what he's got. Right, so it was said that Lizette were completely unbothered by her daughter's disappearance. Now, I don't know how people can say that because everyone's going to react differently, surely. I don't understand that they can just... That's not evidence, is it? It's not. No, not They really can't really. say. Because the, ar- the argument back will always be everyone reacts differently. Yeah, now, there were a few things that she did and said that sort of made you think that this isn't normal behaviour for a mother that's grieving yeah but we've seen it several times yeah but she says live on tv that maybe her daughter was taken by aliens or harry potter she even said that even if i do lose paulette i've still got my other daughter so these are a few things that she'd said um police had actually bugged the hotel that they were held in harry potter yeah harry potter (laughs) right (laughs) so um They'd bugged hotel and they'd actually heard Lizette telling a daughter that don't you ever speak to anybody about your sister because they will come and they will blame you. So basically she was trying to scare her seven-year-old daughter. Right. Now, she denied it. Then when she heard it, she admitted it. But I don't think they were ever allowed to use it because they'd bugged it. So it weren't... Is it admissible? Yeah. So they weren't allowed to do it. Remember interview I told you about her aunt bed? Um, yeah, pajamas. pajamas. Now, what if I told you the body were found? She was found wearing those pajamas. <laughs> I'd say, what the fuck? Now, to be fair, I'll hold back because I could be completely wrong. It isn't confirmed that they are the exact pajamas, but at no point. Now, bearing in mind everything was so public over this case that the whole of Mexico knew about these pajamas, and in fact. A lot of their, they held, them pyjamas held a lot of weight for a lot of the people in Mexico. That seems to be the bit that convinced them that she was involved or somebody in that family were involved. Right. Because at no point when asked about these pyjamas did her mum say, oh, they're my other daughters, we we have two pairs. Or they both had a pair, you know, it's, it's simple. Yeah. They obviously got mixed up. That would have stopped all that. But even when it were addressed to them, they never sort of... Yeah, but it's also not confirmed if 
she were wearing these pyjamas or not, is it? No, it's not. It's not confirmed that it was the exact pair on the bed, but it is the exact pair from that interview. Like, they are the, the, the exact same. It right. might not be that pair, but she were found in the exact same. And they, nev- they didn't find any others right. the same. But the, And the parents also never said, oh, we've got two pair. Is other pair. Right, so she definitely got found in them pyjamas. From what I've read. Right. Does that make sense? But the pyjamas looked remotely like the ones on the bed in the interview. Yeah. But it's not confirmed if they were the same. Yeah. Right, I'm with you. Right. That took a lot, didn't it? So, yeah, they never actually come out and, and cleared it up, um, which could have helped a lot. So, Bass Bass then went on to stay publicly that Lizette suffered with a personality disorder that they'd had diagnosed through the state psychiatrist. And her statement said that Lizette was a very intelligent and capable woman, but she was cold and lacked any empathy. So... Like a psychopath. Yeah. Now, I find it really strange that Bass Bass would make all these announcements so publicly without any sort of evidence. I just... Obviously, it's not a done thing. Maybe that's how they do it in Mexico. I don't know. Yeah. But I just find that really strange. But what later became apparent was that... Bas Bas and Mauricio, the father, was extremely close friends. Best buddies. Best buddies. Now, remember at the beginning when I said that they'd spent the weekend separately and mum yeah. was supposed to be with a friend? He went camping with kids. Yeah. Now it's reported that she'd actually been away with a gentleman that she'd been having an affair with. There's no clarity on that, but that's what's stated. Alleged. The friend that she was supposed to be with was called Amanda, and it turns out that she weren't with Amanda. Right. But it were never confirmed where she was. So, it then became, does it become a possible motive that husband's found out about affair? Yeah. Something He knows that he's extremely good friends with Bass Bass. Mm-hmm. Could he have hurt his daughter, but then convinced Bass Bass to publicly incriminate his wife? Yeah. You know, take E off himself. Yeah, yeah. You don't know. Or maybe to punish her for affair, if yeah. she was having an affair. Yeah. You don't know, do you? No. Um, now, it were also then said that they were struggling financially. They were supposed to be quite wealthy. Mm-hmm. But I suppose Paulette would have cost a lot in medical bills, all the therapies, the medications, yeah. um, the care from the nannies. So it kind it of put a up. financial strain on family. Yeah. Which um, is, could be a motive. Could be possible motive. Now, really strangely, on April the 5th, both Mauricio and Lizette go in front of the press, but in separate interviews, and blame each other. Right. Don't know why. Don't get it. <laughs> both basically said, well, I know I didn't do it, so other one's got to have done it. Right. Just completely pulling each other apart. Which, you know, your daughter's gone fucking missing. They then find her. You're a suspect. Would you not be trying to play the perfect family life? Would you not? Be... Instead of being at each other's throats. Yeah. Which, again, you know, really strange. The day after on 6th of April, that's when the old Paulette's funeral. Now, none of his family were allowed to go. They were not allowed to attend. And I think it was something to do with a restriction. She were a lawyer, don't forget. Yeah. I think she'd got something put in place so none of his family could t- attend a daughter's funeral. Well, that's not very nice, is it? No, not, you know, you've been a married couple, you've got children together. Yeah. You, no, it's strange. This whole thing is fucking strange. So then on 26th of May, jumping a bit forward, Attorney General Bass Bass yeah. resigns. I think he got quite a bit of shit. So he publicly resigns from his position. In, he states that he believes everything he did right in the investigation. He has no regrets and he still 100% believes that Lizette is the main suspect in the murder of her daughter. I don't get how it's gone no further. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Why hasn't things been looked into? To me, don't feel like there's been a proper investigation. For fuck's sake, they got took to an old hotel and held to be questioned. Where's any sort of formal interviewing and... What have they done? I don't know. You can't find this out. So it's blowing my fucking mind. Now, really bizarrely as well, after everything, the nannies are begging for him to reopen the case. Are the parents begging? No. The nannies, obviously, that speaks volumes to me. Is it something they know? Do they know more than they're letting on? Yeah. I've no fucking idea. But I also find that really, really... Like, they are completely, 100% adamant that that little girl's body was not there. They make that bed. 
like I have read so much that's come from these two nannies that to me that alone should have been enough for the police to have really investigated yeah. the two parents. So that's it. That that's my case. I I hope you're left thinking same as me of what the fuck, why, how did just it happen? I just don't get it. No, I don't understand how it were ever ruled an accident. But to be fair, from the get go, there were no crime crime scene preserved. There were no that poor initial that search. poor girl didn't have a very good start to life. No, not all. There was also um, a statement that was that I read that said some residents within this apartment complex over the days after Paula had vanished, um, the lift shaft were making a really funny clanking sound, but then suddenly stopped. But I can't then find anything to suggest that the police sent forensics there to find out whether Paulette's body were ever in that lift shaft. The thing is, is, how did she get into that position? Did she get herself in that position? Has she been in that position for nine days? Has she been placed back there? Has she been placed there? If she's been placed there, where where else has she been? How did the killer? The coroner no DNA standing, or... no. The coroner standing there saying the beater, the beater. You know, this is a man that does this for his a living. So, so did she have marks of abuse? There were no marks of abuse, and there were no marks of sex. Uh, there were no evidence. That's the word of um, any sort of sexual abuse. It is said that the you remember the guy that I said wouldn't sign the accidental thing, the yeah. certificate. It is said he agreed that she suffocated, but he doesn't believe that her body wasn't moved. He doesn't believe that she died there. So, you know, has she been suffocated and then placed elsewhere? What if they didn't suffocate her? What if they placed her somewhere? They were going through financial difficulty. What if they planned it all as a kidnapping? Yeah. That then went too far yeah. and they then couldn't bring her back? There's so many what's, why's, hifs, ows. Oh, God, I'm going to have to research it. Yeah, I do. Have a look. And... Honestly, the video um, on YouTube, there's a, sh- a documentary, I think it's just over an hour long. There's a documentary on there, and it actually shows you when they go in and discover a body. So are you going to research and give your verdict? What do you think? Yeah, I'll give my verdict on next episode. I, I believe that parents have done it. Two really sad stories. Yeah. Really sad Awful. stories. So I hope we've uh, cheered you up. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Well, I hope I hope we haven't put you on a downer with us. Um, it has been quite an emotional one tonight, yeah, it hasn't has. it? I feel quite drained. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Please come back for episode six. I hope um, if you're new, I hope you don't mind jumping over to social media and having a look at his page, giving us a follow. It's terrifying and twisted on Facebook. Yep. What's it on Insta? Terrifying underscore twisted. There we go. Um, Give us a like, let us know. And I hope you all have a good week. See you soon.